today in our first reading from Amos. Amos gives us a snapshot of some merchants in a synagogue and their service that brought the, that they were bored of, to death of their service at the synagogue. So they are waiting for other services and the Sabbath to be over so they can go back home and to get over with what they had to do. So to help move things along, they decided to shortchange people and cheat them out of what they truly deserve. And so this version for them was their compartmentalization of separating their life and what they believe from what business, from their life, their family, into different compartments in life. And so I would like to begin with a simple question for us to begin to ponder and ask ourselves. Does our faith life inform everything that we do? Because the challenge sometimes is we can become like those synagogue officials in the first reading from Amos and separate our religion, our faith, from our life. What we believe is just a philosophy, a way of thinking, a way of processing through things. It doesn't have any grounds, any standing in our lives. It plays no crucial role. And so there's nothing important about my faith life and my daily life that I can keep them separated and keep them at length from each other. To put it very simply, what I do at home has nothing to do with how I live my, with my faith life. My faith life does not dictate how I should live my daily life. My faith life does not give vision, does not give lens through which I see my life. My faith life, therefore, is just something I do on Sunday, something I do to appease God, something I do to just check off a list to be left alone by this deity. It's nothing more than that. So then how does that impact our relationship with others, our members of family? Because family, therefore, is just faith and it's their decision. I don't have to live my faith out in my family. I don't have to pray. I'm not gonna force my kids into a religion. When they get old enough, they can decide. How does then that affect our job? Are we cheating people out of their due earnings? Are we cheating our own employers out of a just wage and just work from our end? What are we doing in our leisure time to really enhance and enliven our lives? And Jesus in our gospel reading today truly instructs and show us how to integrate our faith life into our daily life. Because we want to believe and hold true that faith and our daily life have nothing to do with each other. We can't separate ourselves body and soul we know that we are a composite of body and soul. It's not one or the other, but it's a both and. So then how are we integrating our faith life and what we come to know and understand into our daily life? Jesus kind of gives his backhand to the steward and says, you prudent servant. 
He wasn't commenting and commending his servant, that servant for being deceitful and cheating people out of what they truly deserve and what they are truly owed by their, his owner. Because the word prudent has this connotation of being cautiousness, of being deceptive, of being deceiving. But the word prudent Jesus uses here is not that cautiousness, that deceptiveness of that steward where he cheats people out of what they truly are owed. But instead he says to be a good steward, you must be prudent, is to live into, in virtue and to make sound judgment, to make good judgment, whether in certain action is virtuous and to help people in a particular way. What the servant was doing was not helping anyone except himself. He made a mistake. He lied. He deceived others. And now to rectify it, he's going to deceive more people and cheat them out of a particular action and a particular good that they're owed to themselves. So what does this have to do with us? How do we become prudent servants? We first have to begin to make choices. Choices informed on what and based off of what. To make choices, everything has to have a foundation, a grounding, something that speaks to goodness and truth. That goodness, that virtue, that truth is in God and in God himself. So that becomes the basis and standard of all our moral decision-making. So in doing so, to be prudent, we must recognize how God would act in that situation and seek to do the goods and to accomplish it immediately without counting the cost, without weighing the cost in our life. So to be prudent is to look at the concrete reality of a situation with a clear and honest objectivity in reference and applied to moral truth that make our moral judgment and then commands us to act immediately. So to be prudent, therefore, is to do the right thing, being informed by what we learn and are taught by Jesus Christ himself, and modeling our life after that. We hear very clearly in the opening prayer today that all of this law, all of the commands, and everything we do that is morally bound is first and foremost in love of God and in love of neighbor. That is the root of all our moral decisions, and from there is expounded on and increased and enlivened into different aspects and informs all aspects whether that's our ethics, whether that's our Catholic social teaching, whether that's our anthropology or our understanding of humanity, and how we understand what it truly means to be a human being. So in making good, prudent decisions, we must first understand what is good. Good is a moral good, meaning following the Ten Commandments following what's right, living out God's love and God's love of neighbor, and objective good, 
which seeks the good of itself, which is good by itself. It may seem complicated by defining a word with this word, right? But what an objective good is, is something that is inherently good in itself. Meaning, if I go do something, I'm doing it for its own sake. I'm doing it not because it brings pleasure to me. I'm not doing it because of a beneficial gain. I am doing it because it is right. And so in doing so, I choose it. I want it. I seek what is good in my life. But this good here is not based off of our standard. It's based off of that standard, the crucifixion. Because the good is entitled for everyone in society that benefits the, the weak, the poor, the voiceless, everyone as a whole. Not just a beneficial gain for a, sum, a small amount of people, but a good for all. And so in being prudent, therefore, we are working to build a society a place that is modeled after our Lord Jesus Christ. A place of generosity, a place of love, a place of self-gift, a place of sacrifice. So when we're asked to be prudent today, we're asking to choose those things above all and make them normal aspects of our lives to where we're not thinking about it, to where we're not concerned about it, and it informs everything that we do. Because in our own life, we spend a lot of time planning different aspects of our life. Some of us plan our lives and want to do specific things, accomplish specific things. I want to go to visit 50 countries by the time I'm 50. I want to see all these places, X, Y, and Z. But how many of us are actually planning our spiritual life? How many acts of charity are we going to be able to do? How am I giving up my time to others? We plan our life very, very tightly. As school is starting, parents are setting out very strict schedules. I need to leave the house at this time so that Johnny can be at soccer practice. Then after soccer practice, I need to go do this and this and this. By the time we get home, it's 10 o'clock. So I need to then get the kids into the shower, get them in bed so they can do the schedule again tomorrow. But how many of us are planning our spiritual life and our relationship with God? How many of us have put a schedule together when we're going to pray, when we're going to see Jesus, when are we going to adoration, when are we going to confession? To be prudent means I'm going to schedule and plan that out in my life. I'm, could you make that a practice, a decision-making, where I'm not having to weigh anything out? But God becomes second best. God becomes something cautious in our lives. Many of us spend a lot of time working and worrying about our physical health, whether that's the keto diet, whether all, it's all these other fancy diets, whether that's working out, I'm doing cardio, I'm doing weightlifting, I'm doing all these physical things to help make sure I'm physically healthy. But yet we then forget how we're caring for ourselves spiritually. 
Are we opening our minds and hearts to new things? Are we challenging and stretching ourselves in our spiritual life in the midst of uncomfortable and sacrificial things? Or are we just okay with where we're at? The obesity, the uncomfortableness of our spiritual life, and we don't care about our spiritual health anymore. We're not going to confession anymore. We're not continuing our work out, our spiritual exercises, whether that's retreats, whether that's our daily prayer, because it's not important to us, because we're not prudent in what we're doing. Even in our daily lives, we study for work or for school. But how many of us are prudent enough to study our faith, to dive deeper in our faith, not for its own sake, but for our understanding, our deepened relationship with God, to come to know Him better? Because most of us can sit here and repeat and regurgitate what the catechism says. We can regurgitate what we were taught in religious education. But are we prudent in that? Are we living that out in our lives? Or is that in part of our lives? Or are they just words that are rolling out of our mouths without any meaning, without any substance, without any weight to our life? And finally, the planning of our career. We plan ahead wanting to do more, to climb more, to get to somewhere and to something. And we leave and neglect the planning of our eternal life. We neglect the importance of our eternal rest. We wait till we get to our deathbed and try to make rectify everything correctly, to make sure our relationship with God is strong enough to inform and understand where everything is going. We plan for our career, but we're doing nothing to plan for our eternal life with God in heaven to make sure that we have all our I's dotted, our T's crossed, make sure that we do the things we need to inherit eternal life. But instead, we're doing and living our lives wanting to inherit the material things of this world, the things that will fade away in this life, the things that are, don't bring us true joy and true happiness. So how are we called and meant to live out this life of prudence? This prudence that is not just cautious. This prudence is a virtue to make sound judgment. Whether a certain action is virtuous, choosing the good and always doing it immediately. It has to begin with our faith. Our faith has to be the most important and the foundation of everything that we do. We are body and soul. And so our faith life is what integrates, what informs and what guides every step of our life, which guides and informs and gives us the direction to where we need to go and where we need to be in life. Our faith life will help us understand ourselves more to give us how we can live out a life of love, a life that is good to others, a life in which we care for every single individual in our society. Because the faith life is what God has given us. And so we hear at the end of our gospel reading, what are we doing to multiply that good?
Because if we're dishonest in the little things, we will be dishonest in the big things. So when we begin to live that faith every day as best as we can and have our faith life inform every aspect of our life, that little step, that little decision, that little growth will help us to exponentially grow, will help us build our journey to eternal life, will help us inherit eternal life. But it begins with the little things. It begins with our faith. Amen.